Hello and welcome to Max Politics. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. We have a special two-part episode this week on the Democratic primary for Manhattan District Attorney. Now, this is one of three really immense elections happening in New York City right now in the primaries. All of city government is on the ballot. All of the positions are important. There are also races for public advocate, the five borough presidents, all 51 seats in the city council. They're all important. We've been talking about a lot of them on this show. We've been covering them at Gotham Gazette and with our partners at City Limits and elsewhere. But these three elections for mayor, city comptroller, and Manhattan District Attorney are especially big in terms of their impact on people, their impact on the city, their impact on the country even in some cases, especially for mayor and Manhattan District Attorney. So really important to be ready to vote if you're eligible in these primaries. Of course, most of the action in New York City in the primaries is on the Democratic side. There are some other uh, primaries out there for Republicans and other parties, uh, but most of the most of the crowded fields, most of the most competitive races, are of course on the Democratic side. There is a Republican primary for mayor and for some other races, so everybody should be getting ready to get out and vote if you're a Democrat or a Republican in this election. But we've spent a lot of time on the show on the mayoral race for good reason. Last week on the show, we discussed the city controller race in some depth with uh, some experts, and we've spoken with many of the candidates for mayor, for controller, and this week, two parts, the one you're listening to right now is my conversation with two reporters who've been following the Manhattan District Attorney race very closely. That's Jonah Bromwich of the New York Times and Deanna Paul of the Wall Street Journal. So this is our conversation coming up soon about the eight Democratic candidates running in the primary, some of the key issues, some of the ways that they're differentiating themselves, some of the key endorsements and such. And so uh, enjoy that conversation. Then find the other episode from this week, which was a expert panel of three guests, Rebecca Royfe, a former Manhattan prosecutor, Daniel Alonzo, the former chief assistant district attorney under Cy Vance during his first term as Manhattan district attorney, and Kelly Young, the civil rights campaign coordinator at Vocal New York, a reform group. That extra panel and I got into a lot of things about the broader issues of criminal justice reform, the role of the district attorney, and much more, and as it relates to this really important primary that's happening. So in just a moment, my conversation with Jonah Bromwich of the New York Times and Deanna Paul of the Wall Street Journal, but then please do also find that larger conversation with those three experts about the role of the district attorney and this race And you can also find both in the Max and Murphy podcast stream and also at Gotham Gazette, I did 30-minute interviews with each of these eight Democratic candidates for Manhattan District Attorney where we got into a lot about how they would run the office, uh, the crimes that they are pledging not to prosecute, the crimes that they're pledging to really go after in in a tougher way, all sorts of things like that. You can find the video interviews at Gotham Gazette. Dot com, or you can find just the audio in the Max and Murphy podcast stream. So lots of resources here for uh, folks who are interested in or getting ready to vote in the Democratic primary for Manhattan District Attorney, an extremely important position both in Manhattan, but also across the city and even across the country.
help me break down this very important Manhattan District Attorney Democratic primary, the vote for which is fast approaching. We have Deanna Paul, a reporter for the Wall Street Journal, and Jonah Bromwich, a reporter for the New York Times. Thank you both for joining me. Thanks for having me, Ben. Thanks for having me. So you've both been covering these Democratic primary for Manhattan District Attorney quite closely. There are eight Democratic candidates running spirited, detailed campaigns. All Manhattan Democrats can vote. And this is one election where there's no ranked choice voting on the ballot. So voters will be going in. You pick one of the Democratic candidates for Manhattan District Attorney, and whoever gets the most votes wins. So that's important to know, whereas just about every other race on voters' ballots will have ranked choice voting at play because those are for city seats. All right. So let's give an overview for folks just turning into the race or tuning in a little bit and trying to really narrow down their choice uh, of the candidates. So let's go back and forth with a little introduction for each of the eight candidates. Deanna, let's start with you and Tali Farhadian Weinstein. Tali Farhadian Weinstein comes to the race with both state and federal prosecution experience. She worked at the Eastern District of New York. Um, she also worked as counsel to Eric Gonzalez at the Brooklyn DA's office. And prior to that, she, was, she went to Yale for undergrad. She went to Yale Law School. She was a Rhodes Scholar. Um, she was with Eric Holder. And it, she has an impressive background kind of all around. And Jonah, Alvin Bragg. Alvin Bragg is also a former federal prosecutor, Harvard and Harvard Law. He went to, to the New York AG's office. And he's run an interesting campaign because he's really tied it into his biography. So he talks a lot about having a gun pointed at his head six times, three by the police, three by people in his block. And he's trying to run between kind of a, a balance of civil rights and public safety. And those are the issues that he tends to stress. Deanna, how about Diana Florence? Diana Florence is a career prosecutor. She worked at the Manhattan District Attorney's Office and she resigned last year amid allegations that she failed to turn over evidence in a pretty high, high profile corruption case. She says that it was one blip in a, a long career at the office. And she is running for the average New Yorker. Um, she's been supported by a number of construction unions and their PACs. Mm -hmm. And Jonah, how about Lucy Lang? So another former prosecutor, we got a lot of former prosecutors. <laughs> race, five and all. Lucy Lang is a, is a veteran of Manhattan District Attorney's Office. She worked there for about a dozen years. She is probably, it's safe to say, the most policy forward candidate in the race. Very wonky, uh, lots of policy. And she is the candidate who worked closely with the current Manhattan District Attorney, Cy Vance. So that's something that she has to campaign with that in mind. She has not talked much about Vance on the campaign trail which has made sense because Vance is seen by all the candidates, I think, as someone whose tenure uh, they would like to move on from and advance the office. Yeah, let's come back to that theme in, in just a minute. Uh, Deanna, how about Liz Crotty? Liz Crotty is another former prosecutor. When she left the office under Morgenthau, she became a defense attorney, and that varies her a little bit from the other former prosecutors. Liz is the most traditional law and order candidate. She has the endorsements of the PBA, um, former police commissioner Ray Kelly, and recently just got the endorsement of the first responders across the city. Okay, and Jonah, how about Dan Court? Dan Court is the first candidate we've discussed who is not a former prosecutor. 
Um, and that's a distinction that he and the two other candidates we're about to discuss would like you to remember and to emphasize. Um, he's a state assemblyman. He's been interested in criminal justice issues, particularly because he fought to repeal the criminalization of gravity knives. Basically, a lot of people were getting arrested for having these very small knives. He thought that was unjust. He fought for that not to happen anymore. Uh, he has fairly limited criminal courtroom experience, uh, but he says that kind of the way he worked in the assembly fighting for these ideas will help him to run the office and to make definitive change. Indiana, how about Eliza Orleans? Eliza Orleans is a career public defender. She spent her last decade working at the Manhattan Legal Aid Society, and she calls herself the most progressive candidate of all eight of them. She campaigns on decarceration, cutting the budget by at least 50%, slashing a number of the employees that work there, and really holds herself to the fact that she does not have prosecution experience because anyone who has worked as a prosecutor has contributed to this horrible system. That she wants to dismantle, right? And Jonah, rounding out our eight candidates, Tahani Abushi. Tahani Abushi would take issue with the idea that Orleans <laughs> is the most progressive candidate in the race. She would claim that mantle. She has been endorsed by the Working Families Party, Cynthia Nixon, and she's trying to really inhabit the kind of insurgent energy of leftist candidates of the past. She's a civil rights lawyer. She sued the city of New York multiple times. She sued the police department. She sued the fire department. Uh, and she has personal experience with the justice system. Her father was convicted on federal conspiracy charges, sentenced to 22 years in prison. And that's an important part of her campaign story and why she's running. So you both got at this a little bit in describing the candidates, but we have this sort of spectrum of we have a group of prosecutors or former prosecutors. We have a group of folks who haven't been prosecutors and they're much more on the sort of overhaul the office, uh, a lot less prosecution, a lot more restorative justice end of the spectrum. Um, let's just talk a little bit about sort of the themes of the race and what it's been about and what are some of the key topics that the candidates seem to be trying to differentiate themselves on. Um, Deanna, why don't you start? What are some of the things that stand out to you in terms of, um, you know, how this is shaking out? Uh, what, are the, what are the differentiations in the platforms of the candidates? So I think what's interesting is that the race arrives amid a spike in violence across the city and Manhattan. And so something that's come out during all of these virtual forums that have been held are how the candidates would handle the uptick in violence and specifically in shooting. And so you have some of them drawing from their prior experience, like Alvin Bragg, when he was at the AG's office, he created this data portal to track weapons to their original source. You have Tali who talks about courts that she would want to create and diversion programs for young defendants, similar to ones in Brooklyn that she watched firsthand while she was working for Eric Gonzalez. Um, Joan, I know you wrote a story about this also. Um, I, Tahani and Eliza also talk about decarceration and their declination policies as ways to handle violence. And, and in terms of the, the way that that issue seems to be hanging over the race, uh, Jonah, can we sort of tell that that is something that's animating voters or we just know because, you know, it's obviously an issue and the candidates are being being asked about it repeatedly because it's a problem that the city is facing? It's a really good question. Uh, and public polling has been extremely limited in this race. So when we at, think about how the public is thinking about this race, we don't even know if they're thinking about it at all, frankly. Right. Low turnout race traditionally. 
I will say that in the last 10 years, we've really seen prosecutorial elections generally change, um, particularly in the last five years, where we have candidates who look like Abushi, Orleans Court, and even Bragg and Lang to some extent, uh, people who are pushing for reform, who are talking about the racism of the justice system, the inequities of the justice system, uh, those people are getting elected. But gun violence, and one could argue uh, Donald Trump no longer being in office, and in fact being the subject of an investigation of this office, uh, has really kind of thrown a curve into this race. So speaking for myself, what I expected was that this race would look like other prosecutorial elections in that progressive, progressive ideas would dominate. Uh, and that had been the case until I would say February, March, where the uptick in violence and, and the might of candidates like Tali Farhadi and Weinstein really seemed to change the conversation a little bit. Mm -hmm. And as uh, you said early on, Deanna, you know, Liz Crotty clearly running as sort of the most traditional law and order prosecutor, Farhadi and Weinstein probably you know, somewhere close behind, although she talks quite a bit about, about reform. Um, but there's, there's a pretty big mix of, of perspectives here. Um, but on the, on the sort of further left reform wing, we have Abushi, Orleans, and Court, right? Is that, is that fair to say? Bragg is maybe in there somewhere as well? I think that's about right. Bragg straddles mm -hmm. that line, depending on the topic. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have, yes, Tali and Liz on the right. Mm -hmm. And Diana Florence, you know, uh, Deanna, you spoke to this major ethics issue that has hung over her, um, but she's also a little bit more traditional, though she's, as you said, sort of clearly trying to um, frame her candidacy around uh, efforts to, you know, combat wage theft and things that really relate to sort of working people and, and labor unions and, and people who are laboring without unions, right? Yes, and when she was at the Manhattan DA's office, she actually headed the construction task force. And so she knows, she knows a lot about the industry and particularly how to prosecute wage theft. And so Jonah, how is Cy Vance and his tenure hanging over this race? Uh, we got at this a little bit. He uh, declined to run for re-election while seemingly, you know, I mean, he's not, he's not a young guy, but he's not an old guy. I mean, he's, you know, he's got uh, the prosecutors often stick around for quite a long time, but he declined to, to run for re-election. There are people with uh, ties to his office who seem to want to talk about their work there, but not really want to talk about, about him. Uh, how does he and his, and his record and legacy hang over this race? Yeah, it, it, it's such an interesting question because Vance, when he comes into office, he takes office in 2010. And he's broadly kind of thought to be one of the more liberal prosecutors in the country. He's, he's in New York City. Uh, he wants to be smart on crime, as is the kind of talking point of that time. Um, and what you see is, is twofold uh, during his tenure. One, you see uh, some decisions he makes that then get rep uh, reported on publicly around major public figures. So uh, stop not prosecuting uh, some members of the Trump family on Trump Soho, not prosecuting Harvey Weinstein in 2015. Uh, those re he really takes a hit uh, with those public figures. At the same time, you have a huge awareness all of a sudden about uh, what ails the criminal justice system. There's a huge focus on it. And we, of course, see that with the conversation around policing. But that conversation is very much... Uh, trickled over into talk about prosecutors. 
And so Cy Vance suddenly has scrutiny from people who may not even have been paying attention uh, a decade ago when he was elected. And as you said, Ben, in this race, even those who do clearly have some relationship with him, worked under him, uh, are reluctant to talk about that those relationships. Mm-hmm. And the other part of the, um, I mean, Cy Vance, you know, to some, he's been a pretty significant liberal reformer. To others, he's, you know, tweaked around the edges and kind of, you know, continued the traditional uh, uh, carceral system. And that's sort of a debate within this race, right? Is the is the question of what's your do not prosecute list? Uh, which crimes do you want to divert? How would you approach bail and sentencing? Can you say a little bit more about sort of how that uh, debate seems to be shaping up here? Are there are there specific uh, crimes, levels of crimes that seem to be sort of at that um, at that point that separates the candidates? You know, there are a lot of them. Most of them are talking about significant reforms, but then there's always a line. Are there are there categories of crime that seem to be bumping up against that line? You have some candidates that are talking about not prosecuting all misdemeanors or most misdemeanors. And I do think what's interesting about this is someone like Cyrus Vance, he came into office in 2010 and there were over 100,000 cases in the system and he's reduced that by around 60% to 40 something thousand. And so that's already a significant departure from what the office was a decade ago. And so when you're talking about these declination policies, there, there's only so many things that at this point you can decline to prosecute. And so Tahani Abushi has, I think, upward of 40 offenses on her list. And I think it's the most significant declination policy. Eliza Orleans also has a pretty substantive one. And then you have other candidates who won't make that black and white kind of distinction. So Liz Crotty won't commit to not prosecuting any category of offense because you have to look at each individual case and the circumstances of each case on its own. Mm-hmm. And Jonah, um, in terms of other markers and ways to try to make sense of this race, um, there's money, uh, there's endorsements, there's um, you know allies, there's media attention. Do we have any other sense? You mentioned there's very limited polling. The polling we do have shows an incredibly high uh, percentage of undecided, unaware voters. Um, in terms of some of those other markers, do we know who you know looks like they're kind of ahead of the field a bit? I think we do. I mean, I think a combination of the factors that you just described make it pretty clear that there is one candidate who has led for, let's say, the last two or three months consistently, and that would be Tali Farhadi and Weinstein in public polling, in fundraising, uh, in name awareness and what she's been able to do with that money. I mean, I constantly have people texting me, telling me, oh, I just saw Tali on the food channel. Like I just, the advertising is, is everywhere. She's really decoded the city in it. And so it's not surprising that in a race where name recognition means so much, uh, she's been at the top of those polls and she's been at the top in terms of fundraising too. Mm-hmm. And she received the endorsement of the Daily News editorial board. Alvin Bragg got the endorsement of the New York Times editorial board. Bragg seems to be, talked about, you know, up there as uh, perhaps her strongest competition, although some of the early polling has also shown Lucy Lang to have a little bit of a bump. But again, the polling is such a mystery overall, given the large, large percentage of of undecideds. Um, The Trump case that uh, has been mentioned, uh, how does that hang over this race? 
And again, is this another issue that we do we have a sense if if voters are going to sort of look at the Trump case and say, OK, I need to evaluate this field of candidates on that? Or is this another one where we throw up our hands? We don't really know what what's going to motivate voters here. Um, probably the latter. But on the substance of this, Deanna, what what should voters be thinking about in terms of this uh, case that is ongoing? Clearly, Cy Vance is leading it as office. But given the fact that we're now in June and the next DA will take office in January, uh, what are we looking at here in, in terms of the way this hangs over the race? It's a really great question. And it's we'll see what happens in terms of an indictment coming forward. Obviously, we know a special grand jury was impaneled and they're, they're looking at the case. But I think when voters think about this, they should be considering what the candidate's prior experience is and what they've done in the realm of white collar crime and when they step forward to lead an office, how they'll be able to kind of understand the case and what's going on to move forward with it. Mm -hmm. And Jonah, what, what are you thinking about in terms of how the case uh, hangs over the race, but also, um, you know, sort of what the next steps to watch for are as we go forward here? Next steps to watch for in what sense? In terms of the case and what the next DA will just have to potentially be dealing with, you know, whoever it might be. Right. It's a great question. Uh, and it's a tough question. And I'll add to what Deanna said, something even more intangible, which is management experience. What this case looks like, as far as I understand the DA's office, is that it's being handled by a team of prosecutors. The DA oversees that team. That doesn't necessarily mean the DA is in there day in, day out, questioning witnesses, preparing the case. So it's a question of being able to manage that team, being able to kind of add input where necessary, and maybe above all, not interfering when unnecessary. And so one of the, one of the really interesting questions, I think, is for candidates who have said, for instance, that they want to dismantle the office, like Eliza Orleans, Eliza has said that she wants to re-interview uh, every every single person in the office. So I, I asked her, you know, do you want to re-interview Mark Pomerantz, who's one of the prosecutors leading the case? And she, she said that she would ex she expected they would have a conversation and he would stay put. But those are questions that are really important, and I I would imagine they are important to voters who care about this prosecution, which in New York, which is a very blue state, uh, I would imagine is, is a lot of them. Mm. And so um, if we're trying here to, to help voters, um, you know, sort through this field a little bit, I will say um, you both got great coverage. Uh, people should read. I interviewed on video uh, all eight candidates at length in 30-minute sessions so folks can find those video interviews at Gotham Gazette. One of the things I did ask them about was management experience because this is very much a management job. It's, you know, it's setting a vision, it's leadership, but it's also... Uh, running a very large office with a lot of personnel and a big budget, even if you want to slash the personnel and the budget of the office once you get in there, it's still a significant management job. Um, so that's that's certainly one thing that doesn't always animate a lot of voters, but is a key function of the job. In terms of other things, you know, we haven't talked about what are some other uh, keys. I mean, one of the things I think about that comes up a lot seems to be the relationship between the Manhattan District Attorney and the NYPD. Right. And there's a lot of conversation in this race around holding police accountable, uh, about uh, how prosecutors and police work together to to solve cases or to prosecute cases. How is that theme playing out uh, here, Deanna? You have the candidates talking about their experience in holding police accountable or trying to hold police accountable. Alvin Bragg led a division at the AG's office doing so and 
investigating officers that were involved in cases that were involved with unarmed civilians, the deaths of unarmed civilians. And they did a, I wanna say over a dozen investigations. It did not lead to any convictions. There were two acquittals, but he campaigns on holding police accountable. You have Liz Crotty, who obviously with her endorsements is very supportive of the police and working together and actually has called for more police even before the uptick in violence versus candidates like Tahani Abushi who think that there should be fewer police on the street, not going into communities. And it's interesting to think about how cases will play out at the DA's office where you have a DA who doesn't really trust or want to work with the police. And Dan Court has certainly been running as a, a hold the NYPD accountable uh, candidate, touting work in Albany at the state legislature. He's done around uh, the repeal of the 50A law related to police discipline records. Obviously, Eliza Orleans talked about this quite a bit as we, you know, continue to get back to this sort of division in the field of those three, you know, pretty pretty much further to the sort of left and, and progressive mantle and and somewhat overhauling the the office and the way it operates, and then some others you know, who have different uh, visions of reform uh, or, or minimal <laughs> visions of reform. Uh, Jonah, what about that theme? I mean, we hear, um, we hear candidates talking about holding police accountable, but a huge part of the job is prosecutors and police working together. There's also this issue that comes up around uh, what people have termed test-a-lying, right? Officers that can't be trusted to, to, to tell the truth. That seems to be coming up quite a bit. Again, we're talking about a democratic primary here. As you said, you know, we expected, uh, at least before this really significant increase in gun violence that's now been sustained for quite a while, we expected this to be a bit more of a race to the left than it seems to have turned out to be, although in Manhattan, that's not necessarily always the case. But um, but how do you see this theme of prosecutors, police uh, playing out here? I think that's why this this primary is so important and why I wish more people were paying attention to it, because I think it's, it's one of the first real tests we have of where a very democratic electorate is on policing what they want from the police. So a year ago, obviously, um, George Floyd was murdered. People took to the streets. They took to the streets in Manhattan. And you saw kind of a fundamental reshaping of how people thought about policing. Now we have rising gun crime. Uh, it's not necessarily affecting all of those voters, but those voters are aware of it. They may be scared of it. And in a race like this, where you have eight candidates, we're gonna learn a lot uh, about where people are on the issue of policing and how they want prosecutors to think about policing. I think it's an incredibly important race. Right. And in some ways, it's very good that it, it overlaps with a mayoral primary where obviously questions of police, uh, policing, police funding, uh, tactics of the, of the police, running the police department as mayor, uh, the type of police commissioner that candidates would say they would appoint, you know, that's all been coming to the fore as well. So you know, when we see in Manhattan, the overlap of how this race turns out and the mayoral vote turns out, you know, that, as you said, will tell us, will tell us a lot there. All right. Well, so we're in our, we're in our final uh, four or five minutes here with Jonah Bromwich of the New York Times, Deanna Paul of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, let's see, are there other things about this race, bigger themes, bigger questions uh, that, that we haven't gotten to yet? One of the things, um, you know, that I uh, also hear a lot from the candidates is, uh both about what happens in the subway system, because obviously uh, so much of subway activity in New York City happens in Manhattan. And then another thing that comes up quite a bit is um, these uh, gang conspiracy cases and other sort of uh, big cases. And then the third I'll mention is the issue of white collar crime. There's um, 
always been a fairly limited, it seems, you know, Manhattan district attorney interest in city government and what happens at city hall, though not not completely absent. Um, that seems to often be left to federal prosecutors and others, um, but certainly Wall Street, white collar crime. So any of those or something else you want to hit on uh, in our last few minutes here, Deanna, any other sort of theme or topic um, that seems to be animating the, the race or just that you're thinking about and find interesting? I know uh, you know, there's all sorts of criminal justice reformers who've also been talking a lot about sort of drug uh, policy and drug prosecutions. I mean, I could go on and on. There's so many, so many topics within this race. But uh, what else is on your mind there, Deanna? I mean, I think the topic of drug prosecutions is an interesting one and how the candidates would deal with the special narcotics prosecutor. A lot of them talk about dismantling it, pulling out the assistant district attorneys that are currently working at the special narcotics prosecutor, which deals with really serious gun, gun drug trafficking type cases with cartels, international drug trafficking, not just simple possession and simple drug use or street crime. And a lot of the candidates talk about viewing drug crime as a public health issue and diverting these cases out of the system as opposed to dealing with them in the criminal justice system. I think that's a really interesting issue because they're all pretty different in the way that they want to handle it. Mm-hmm. And obviously there's no way for us to, uh, we, I, think we, I think we've done pretty well here, but there's no way for us to go into every issue and every candidate's stances, especially with a field this big, but you know, this is hopefully a primer for folks to then look for more information on the candidates um, Jonah, what else, what, what's one more topic, one more theme for you? It's a good question. I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of focus both on, on sex work and sex crime, which actually should not, those are two completely different issues. They shouldn't be, but, um, just to start with, let's say, um, sex crimes, the, uh, there's a lot of talk, uh, frustration, I think with, uh, Vance's tenure on that. And there's candidates have talked about overhauling the sex crimes unit, for instance, that's a huge topic of discussion and that's something that people will care about. On topic of sex work, uh, Vance just announced that he would stop uh, prosecuting people who sell sex, but then there are other candidates in this race uh, who argue that he should, that the office should stop prosecuting people who both sell and buy sex. So there's all these issues. Um, and that these are issues that while they may sound dry, really affect people's lives. I mean, I think it's interesting to think about it in comparison to the mayor's race because the mayor's race just kind of uh, covers such an incredible array of policy issues, whereas the DA's race is really criminal justice concentrate. So this is something you care about, the criminal justice system. This is the race in which a lot of that policy is made and it really determines how defendants are treated, how victims are treated, how the system works. Uh, and, And for that reason, it really, it should be taken seriously by voters. All right. Well, we are going to leave it there. I really appreciate the time uh, from both of you. Jonah Bromwich is a reporter for the New York Times. Deanna Paul is a reporter with the Wall Street Journal. I've been reading their work. Everybody should uh, check out their work and uh, and also find, like I said, the interviews um, I did with the Manhattan District Attorney Democratic candidates. It's a competitive field of eight. And we are uh, fast approaching the start of early voting on June 12th, which runs through June 20th. And then followed by primary day on June 22nd. There's also, of course, absentee balloting happening. Time is running thin on requesting your absentee ballot. So Democrats in Manhattan, uh, read up, view up on the the candidates in this race, and please be ready to vote. Thank you both for, for taking the time. And listeners, stay tuned for an expert panel for more on this race about some of the ways that the Manhattan District Attorney Office 
works, runs, or at least has been working and running under recent leadership and what some of the key issues to watch as this campaign continues to unfold. But thank you both for the time. Thank you.